are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, a JRPG Games Club podcast. This is Season 5, Episode 1, covering the mechanics and generalities of Shadow Hearts Covenant. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and with me is... This is Matt Marcus. Fletcher Bacon. <laughs> and I am special guest, Ryan Beatty. Welcome. Thank you. All right. We're doing Shadow Hearts Covenant, a um, horror-themed JRPG, old history JRPG. Uh, Matt, tell me what it says on Wikipedia. <laughs> Will do. Uh, so yeah, this, uh, this is a very unusual uh, JRPG series by the company uh, Sacknoth. At least, I think that's how you pronounce it. That is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Shadow Hearts Covenant is the third game uh, in the series that started with uh, Kudelka and the the first Shadow Hearts. This this game is known as Shadow Hearts 2 in Japan. Began development in 2002, came out in 2004. The main, uh, main names behind this, uh, Matsudo Machida uh, is the director and writer. He was the director and writer of the series prior to that. Miyako Kato is the uh, character designer. And interestingly enough, there's like a trio, like almost like a murderer's row of uh, music people behind this. The main guy, uh, Yoshitaka Hirota, is mostly known just for Shadow Hearts. But you also have Yashinori Mitsuda and Kenji Ito also helped out with oh, the uh, music on this. Uh, yeah, so like you have like the Chrono Cross guy and the, the Saga guy also pitching in on the music on this. Excuse me, he's the Golden Sun guy, please. <laughs> the Golden Sun. Or, or like Inazuma Eleven. <laughs> which is that's wild because the entire company was founded by the secret of mana music guy uh who only started composing for square because kenji ito couldn't do secret of mana because he was working on saga so it's all a bunch of square music convolution up in this business shout outs from yako giving your starting character an iron cross tattoo on their hand (laughs) (laughs) yeah so this is an interesting uh installment in the series because uh the previous two games were very horror themed like there's a lot of hp lovecraft inspired like horror monsters in this and it was very dark and and whatnot and uh they wanted to keep that uh atmosphere for the sequel but they also were told pretty much by uh the heads at um at square to be like hey uh, you should guys should lighten it up that's a little too uh dark for for our audience we want to broaden things out and they kind of did it under duress so this is a it's a funny thing because uh it said oh the previous games are too dark and disturbing let's lighten the mood with a little bit more comedy and then it starts with the bad ending from the previous game (laughs) yeah we we have to state this this is not oh the previous games were just very grim and it's a dragon age origins thing the last game ends with world war one (laughs) <laughs> yeah the assassinated assassination of uh archduke ferdinand was like the like final thing that happens in the game he probably had it coming history will back I me mean, up clearly <laughs> not touching that with a 10-foot pole <laughs> mm-hmm. hey you're social distancing it's great great um, <laughs> that's what we all should be doing um <laughs> Uh, if if you listen to this in the future, we're all quarantined right now. I'm like this like filter. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, gotta swab your uh, audio interfaces. I'm gonna lick my mic just for you, Chris. Uh, <laughs> don't do it. Gross. Uh, it's only gross because it's your mic, not a mic in general. Uh, b- 
before we get into this, oh, our... the taste of that. I guess this is better than the time you punched your balls on the podcast. <laughs> oh, that was pretty funny, actually. We've still got time, <laughs> buddy. So before we get into uh, Shadow Hearts, uh, Ryan has uh, prepared some book reports on Kudoka and Shadow Hearts Covenant uh, because basically the first major cutscene just jumps off, assuming you have played uh, Shadow Hearts Covenant, which I have not. Yeah, um, and what's interesting is that um, I have actually spent more time with Kadelka than 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 the Shadow Hearts one proper, uh, mostly because it's a shorter game, so I've been able to play it twice for some weird reason in my life. I don't know. It once was enough. But anyway, I've got some book reports. Um, <clears throat> hopefully they provide enough context. Maybe they won't. Let's get into them. <laughs> so Kadelka was developed by Sacknoth and published by Infogroms in 1999. Uh, but to get into why Kadelka is such a weird outlier for this series, I've got to briefly get into the history of Sacknoth as a company. It was founded in 1997 by Hiroki Kakuda, who is the composer for Secret of Mana, for the express purpose of developing his passion project, which he wanted to have full creative control over. Uh, he His idea was he wanted to make an action RPG that borrowed heavily from the survival horror genre, and he had his hand in nearly every aspect of the game, a very proto-Kojima or contemporary Kojima, I guess. <laughs> and he reportedly read more than a hundred books on Welsh history and even took his staff to Wales for a location scouting trip. Uh, unfortunately, his team was kind of mutinous. They disagreed with him on the mechanics of the game and ended up developing a turn-based JRPG system in the mold of uh, Square's Light 90s output, kind of in protest. Um, the rift between Kakuda and his staff led to Kadelka being his last project with Sathgoth and the last game that he ever helmed. Uh, the resulting game is a confused mix of the mansion exploring, inventory management, and adventure game item puzzles of Resident Evil, and a really weird hybrid of traditional turn-based and tactical JRPG combat on top of it. That sounds fucking lit. Yeah. Can it's... I just interrupt you for a moment? Yes, please. say, Sacknoth is one of the most cursed companies in oh, Japanese yeah. game development. A hundred percent. It started out with its founder immediately being turned on by all the people he recruited to come with him. <laughs> yeah. He then left development forever. He actually this was a period for Kakuda where he started doing a bunch of music for H games because it's just like, fuck it, fuck everyone. I'm only gonna work with one person at a time. Sure. <laughs> They're horny, but, you know, it's just one person. Yeah, but he could at least do his music and, you know, it's a lot easier to just walk away from one guy than have everyone knife you in the back. Right. Sacknoth then proceeds to be, you may have heard they were published by Infogroms. Okay, that's a company that has some exceedingly cursed uh, business ties as well as collapsing. Mm -hmm. They are under Aruze, who was formerly a division of SNK when they were having money troubles and going through seven different names, which then got absorbed into what would become Universal Media Conglomerate during the recession. And That's not cyberpunk at all. <laughs> the, the rights to this series and everything Sacknoth did, which was basically just this series, uh, are spread amongst so many different parties that it will be wild to see if this ever resurfaces again good news they're gonna get bought by harmony gold <laughs> oh. 
Well, and then those poor developers, they got uh, absorbed uh, into Feel Plus, worked on uh, Lost Odyssey. Lost Odyssey, which feels a lot like uh, a battle system spiritual successor to Shadow Hearts. And then that also all collapsed when, you know, Mistwalker kind of disappeared and and so it's just like the staff themselves can't catch a break either it's it's a bummer because there's some really cool unique stuff throughout uh shadow hearts and then also lost odyssey that i just i want to see more of i just had a very cursed realization with your description which is that the sacknoth staff are like the lost tribe of israel for squaresoft (laughs) devs (laughs) <laughs> wandering a <laughs> desert of 17 companies does that make us apac we're just celebrating their culture uh, well we are all sick <laughs> i <am laughs> distancing myself from uh, that analogy i i would have gone with well i mean they're more like mormons right you know the lost tribe of israel yeah in that way Depends. uh they got on boats and sailed to an America. equally problem-free analogy. <laughs> uh, dude, like I, I live near like a major Mormon temple. I could see it from my balcony. Same. Yeah. I drive past it regularly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to live a few blocks away from the intersection of uh, the only place where a Mormon temple and a Lutheran church were across the street from one another. Um. Let it's not really fight. historic. It's Let just, you know. Fight. I was yeah, to say, I like, that, that's jets a... every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to the, uh, to the reference, Chris. I see, because unlike you, I don't mind talking over other people to make a joke. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God, tell me about it. I have to edit your shit. <laughs> uh, should, I, should I pivot back to the book? Yeah, go, oh, just go absolutely. for it. Absolutely. This will go on forever if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of weird, tortured historical analogies, um, <laughs> how's that for a seg? The mm. story is like a serious-faced horror version of the Fate series. Um, so it takes place in Wales at the end of the 19th century. Uh, one of the main characters, Edward Plunkett, is based off of the 18th Baron of Dunsany, who was in real life considered to be one of the founders of weird fiction. Another character in, is the fictional love child of a non-fictional affair between two members of the Welsh nobility. Uh, the story it ends up telling is surprisingly faithful to the gothic horror tradition. Uh, three characters with their own motivations run into each other in an ancient Welsh monastery, decide to work together to get what they want from the monastery, and begrudgingly end up becoming close to one another while uncovering a series of tragic mysteries involving immortality, resurrection, doomed love triangles, and twisted creatures born out of failed experiments. That is the setup for the worst joke a weird fiction writer, a bastard, and an anime protagonist walk into a Welsh monastery. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's... Um, I was really surprised by how well the translation uh, of everything held up. So, you know, if, if, if this is a working designs translation, then maybe <laughs> oh. they actually would have gone there. Uh, uh-huh. But I'm really happy they didn't, and you did instead. Also, thank God Working Designs is dead. <laughs> Are they dead dead? Yes. Like, for real? Yeah. 
I cannot believe that the guy who founded Working Designs named his next company Monkey's Paw, which is just like... <laughs> That's so on the like, Oh my god, this game's getting localized. Bad news, it's this guy. You're not going to talk about the current company that he runs? I don't know about it. Gaijin Works? Oh, oh yeah, right. I've heard of Gaijin Works, yeah. Oh, buddy. Yeah, that's uh, Victor Ireland, right? Is that what we were talking yes. about? Okay. If yeah. you ever want to hear me just get fucking wrath of God on this podcast, make us do something Victor Ireland localized. <laughs> hey, I have both Lunar games on disc. <laughs> Those seem exceptionally boring, so we're never going to talk about them. Yeah, yeah they're, no, they're completely really. forgettable, and the only thing to discuss about them is how much they were fucked up in localization. Well, also, God, if, yeah. you, if you are the kind of weeb who has a lot of affection for generic 80s fantasy anime, Ugh. it is that in droves. It is so generic, so fantasy, so anime. And so it's just like, you know, if that's what you want, that's what you're yeah. going to get with Lunar. Well, I mean, that that intro song for the first one rules, though. I mean, yes. it's I, I want it to be remade in a power metal version because that would be amazing. Hey, good news. They did remake the first Lunar in a power oh, metal know. version. It's called oh, Dragon they? Song, and it's one of the worst JRPGs that you will ever touch. Well, I meant just the mm. song. I didn't care about the game. <laughs> I, I know Dragon Song's really bad, uh, and I heard like the first, like the PSP port was like just okay. Huh. So, eh. so uh, in in terms of the personal experience uh, part of this book report. The voice acting and characterization, or at least I found uh, voice acting and characterization, both in the writing and in the animations, there was an expensive mocap budget for this game. They're surprisingly strong for a game of the vintage, uh, though the presentation is hindered by its stilted delivery as the game has to load each line from memory. The oh. FMVs are also fairly well done. So I they don't better in emulation, actually. I'm sure it is. Um, I am playing this on, or I did play this for the show on my PlayStation 3, so I didn't have the benefits of any of the speed-up stuff, which made my experience with this game very frustrating. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm playing it on a, uh, my original PS2, and I, I noticed how stilted the lines were, and I'm like, this would have been good if you like just cut out like the five-second pauses between each line. Yeah, exactly. Like the delivery, the, the delivery itself is good, but it's just the way that it had to be stored, I guess. Uh, also, shout outs to a four disc, 15 hour game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh. yeah, the FMVs are also pretty well done. They don't have uh, squares budget. They don't have square money to work with, uh, but you know, they look good. Um, and while the atmosphere is dark and spooky and the creature design has some really unsettling, uncanny notes, the random JRPG battles completely drain any tension or horror from the actual game. Uh, just creeping around a mansion, putting swords into statues to open wine cellars only to transition to a boring grid-based fight is a huge bummer. Also, inventory management is even fiddlier than the average survival horror game, which is exponentially more frustrating because you never know which items are going to be helpful later and which ones are junk. Also, I want to shout out the world's biggest fuck you to the, um, I'm not sure if we swear on this podcast or not. Yeah, we, 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 we absolutely we do. swear on this podcast. Cool. 
But I want to give a special fuck you to all of the secret extra powerful items in this game, which you can only get by saving at a very specific amount of time with a very specific number of items in your inventory. So you have to like save the game at one hour, 11 minutes and 11 seconds of playtime with 11 items in your inventory to get a sword. And if you miss it by any margin, you're fucked. Um, so that's cool. What? You know. Um, <clears throat> you know, JRPGs, late 90s, hidden stuff. Who who can say? Maybe it was supposed to be some sort of, like, dark lament configuration type Square, thing. Square Enix would later be inspired by this and invent the Zodiac Spear. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, right? I was yeah, going to say just FF9. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, like, you never know which items are going to be helpful later, which ones are junk, uh, which ones are going to, uh, lock you out of getting an item that you want. Uh, it sucks. Um, but honestly, the major issue with Kadelka is that it is so slow. Um, again, this might be helped in emulation, but animations take forever. Each character in battle pops onto the screen individually after basically every scene change or magic attack. It's easy to get lost because the game suffers from the same perspective issues of a lot of other pre-rendered background games of the time. So my conclusion, Kadelka is always interesting, but never fun to play. Me wiping anime, anime sweat from my forehead. Glad we dodged that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We almost did that one. <laughs> it takes between 8 and 15 hours, depending on how often you get lost and how many random battles you have to suffer through. It's not a direct prequel, uh, but the characters of Kadelka, Roger Bacon, and Father James all factor into the rest of the Shadowheart series, and the Emigre Manuscript and uh, Nemeton Monastery recur throughout the series as well. So it provides a good amount of context and color to parts of Shadowhearts, and it's an interesting experiment, but ultimately it is inessential, I think, to the overall Shadowhearts experience. Uh, even if you're a weirdo like me who needs to play every entry in a series, I'd say you are safe watching a couple of summaries and and just getting the vibe for it and and moving on with your life uh because it is terribly paced it's amazing how much roger bacon is like the through line for this whole series i know yeah weird yeah because like he he's a 13th century franciscan monk who was also a scholar and that people later thought was a wizard I like look up brazen heads on Wikipedia just to show like what we're talking about here. Like people were thinking like there were these magical automatons like with the spirit of uh, Roger Bacon and like other people like possessing things. Like it, it kind of fucking rules, but I don't know how it plays out in this series as much. It's again, it's like what if what if Fate Stay Night or Fate Zero or whatever was developed by people who were extremely into esoteric welsh history yeah um, of all things speaking of fate if you'd love to die the uh final movie is coming out at a fathom event that hasn't been canceled in about two weeks wait is the title fate slash if you love to die no it's (laughs) fate day night heavens feel part three jesus what going for that real heaven feel that's the title Man, I, I have no idea what's the deal with the Fate series and all, like, the sub-series related to it. Like, I, when I went to Japan, like, last year, there was Fate stuff everywhere, but not the Fate stuff I had seen from other people, like, in our Slacks and stuff, <laughs> related Slacks. So I have no idea what the hell's going on with that, other than, like, these are historical characters, but are 
sexy anime historical characters. So you would describe your experience as fighting against fate? Yeah, in a way. Oh, boo. I will absolutely cover a season on fate for this podcast. I don't know, man. (laughs) What does that even mean? Is that a TV show? Is that a game series? I have no idea. All of the above. Going to get really into philosophy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a minor in philosophy. Nice. Well, Uh, I couldn't come up with anything demeaning to say about Fletch. So let's keep it going. There's nothing you could say about me that I cannot do worse to myself. There's been salsa on my dick for 30 minutes at this point because I don't have a napkin. Salsa? Yes. Okay, that's relatable. I had that yesterday. It's it's, fine. It's spilled out of a quesadilla I made for breakfast. Salsa dick. Fletcher, I was wearing the same shirt for two days that was covered in pirate's booty cheese puff crumbs. It's fine. I get it. Exactly. This is what happens when you have to quarantine yourself. No, Look what this does to us. Don't pretend I wasn't like that already. Look, I'm trying to give you some cover here, Chris. Okay, it's fine. Biden did this to me. Tell me about Shadow Hearts 1. All right, let's talk about Shadow Hearts 1. And I will be briefer about Shadow Hearts 1, even though there are more direct parallels, because um, a lot of it we're probably going to cover later in the episode, or y'all are going to cover later in the series, because it is very similar. But um, anyway... So, free from the directorial control of Kakuta, uh, Sacknoth was free to make the turn-based RPG of their dreams. While the company no longer wanted to make a true survival horror game, uh, Sacknoth was still inspired by horror fiction, specifically Go Nagai's Devilman and Lovecraft's Cthulhu Mythos. Uh, The creature designs are grotesque and inventive, and there's blood all over the first half of the game, though it does start to feel more like a traditional JRPG quest as the story goes on. The battle system is unique to other JRPGs of the time because of the timing-based judgment ring system, which, this is incredible, was apparently inspired both by beat-em-ups and new parent company Aruze's pachinko machines. It does feel Uh, like really beat-em-up-y or like uh, a DMC timing combo thing, like very rhythm-y. I was really surprised that I could not find uh, common staffers between Legend of Dragoon and Shadow Hearts until they both got together for Lost Odyssey because it feels so of a piece with the Legend of Dragoon series or uh, Battle System, rather, but just a little bit different and, yeah, a little bit more... And not, muppy. not terrible. Also that. Also a translation that doesn't make me want to die. Uh, I, I like... I want to like Legend of Dragoon, but the the thing that's good about the Judgment Ring, comparing that to Legend of Dragoon, is that in the Judgment Ring, you can do better and get rewarded, whereas in Legend of Dragoon, you can only be punished. Yes, exactly. It is only negative reinforcement, not positive reinforcement. Speaking of negative reinforcement, the other concept that is introduced uh, in Shadow Hearts 1 is the sanity point system, which I (laughs) (laughs) I know we'll talk about in more detail later. Uh, it is the, one of the bigger influences of the Lovecraft mythos, I guess, on the mechanics of the game instead of just the aesthetics. And, uh, it's not great. Don't love it. The Judgment Ring, I do have to say, in Shadow Hearts 1 is more punishing than later games in the series, uh, which can be further exacerbated by, uh, input lag. Again, if you're not dealing with emulation and if you are using, like, a PS2 and, uh, Fancy flat screen TV input lag can be an umjammer lammy like bear on Shadow Hearts 1. So the plot, beginning in 1913, follows selfish piece of shit Yuri, 
who can shapeshift and sometimes loses control over himself, and anime ingenue Alice, who has a tragic dead dad and can banish the dead. As they both try to escape from and thwart a pair of dark magic wheeling ass wielding assholes who both want to be immortal and all-powerful for different reasons. Kadelka from the first game shows up, sacrifices must be made, and somewhere along the line, Yuri becomes a beloved character in the eyes of the fans. Also, World War I ends the game. Uh, while there are a lot of good individual story beats, the story kind of has a disjointed road movie feel, where each location uh, our characters find themselves in uh, feels like its own arc rather than building towards a grander and more complete story. Ultimately, I felt like it felt like a first draft of a lot of the mechanics that they improved on in Shadow Hearts Covenant. Uh, it's relatively short and linear, shuttling the characters from scene to scene and never really suffering from the pacing problems of Kadelka. But it's also never truly scary, but it does have a dark and unique setting. And I miss some of that grimmer tone of the first two entries of the series uh, in Once We Get to Covenant and then from the New World later. Uh, but Covenant is so much more tightly tuned and fun to play than Shadow Hearts 1, in my opinion, that it was kind of hard to go back. Hmm. So uh, what's the deal with the demon at the end? What's the deal with the demon at the end? Well, you're, my man's a demon at the beginning. I assume the guy at the beginning is Yuri. Yes. I, God, it's it's been a little while since I finished Shadow Hearts 1 uh, and don't quite remember how it transitions from 1 to 2. And, uh, I don't know I mean, if it really does. I think it's mostly just Yuri is like consumed with grief about Alice and that's what kind of turns him into Demon Boy. I think right? what will yes. happen is I will probably watch a like a Shadow Hearts the movie between recordings and do like a little hey here's how the gate last game ended. Okay. Yeah, because because yeah, by going off the bad ending it kind of um it it changes some of the arc of how I absorbed Shadow Hearts 1. But yeah, the the whole grief turning into demon thing, also very devil man, also very gona guy. Uh Shadow Hearts really wearing its influences on its sleeve mm -hmm. there. Yeah, no. it's it's funny how much they point out, uh, like the the director pointed out that they really didn't want to have like a normal um, JRPG protagonist, so they made Yuri kind of like, uh, yeah, they made him a dumb asshole, they, uh, yeah. but with a with a sense of justice, mm -hmm. and not not apparently like a um, a bishonen fuckboy, as it were. Right. Yeah. No. He's he's not uh, he's not pretty but deadly, and he's not noble but good. He's um, justice, but dick teenage fuck boy <laughs> Let's talk about how this runs mechanically. So, obviously, as we said, characters have the usual normie stats like strength, vitality, luck, etc. But you also get pretty weird because there are sanity points, weight, uh, affinities. Let's, let's just start going through these. 
So sanity points are a mechanic where you have some and they increase as you level up. Using your basic attacks is going to consume these, but combos, special abilities, and especially fusions, because why would you go insane merging with other things, uh, consume them at a higher rate. And when you reach zero, the character who does so will go berserk, attacking everything possible, using random items, or just collapsing. If someone is still berserk at the end of the fight, they lose all of the XP from the battle, which is a punishment that is very in line with the weird cursed design of this series in that if you do not remedy this, if you do not learn to play better, you will only get worse, and it is a failure spiral. That is, it's a lot, because, like, boss, the game is, even more than usual, in my opinion, dramatically weighted to boss XP. Like, in the uh, first dungeon, an encounter will give you 2 XP, and the boss will give you 50. (laughs) Yeah. And, yeah, if you lose out on boss XP for a character, it's usually worth redoing it, with the exception of one or two bosses. I redid the first boss, like, five times to get it through get through it and get xp yeah everyone who says that the saga games are like cruel and hate players should really revisit with fresh eyes the shadow hearts franchise because so much of this is based on kicking you in the dick yeah other weird stat weight uh weight is um not really a stat it's like a uh fixed tag a character can be either be a light medium or heavy and this does not change over the game as you level up like sanity points do weight determines the distance an enemy is knocked back when you do um knockdown attacks which we'll talk about later and the amount of time your characters stay down after they are hit which is both beneficial and bad in weird ways because while you're down um some pieces of combos can't hit you but it also moves you back in the turn order. Light characters will get up quickly and stay in the air longer as they uh, go up higher in the air when they're launched, um, like a 13 style where you take additional damage in the air. And they cannot knock an enemy very far, and heavy characters are the opposite. Uh, This is a large tactical consideration as enemies take more damage in the air or on the ground. Mm Mm-hmm. And characters also have uh, elemental affinities uh, that the game calls classes. They could be either uh, light, dark, fire, water, air, earth, and a a non-class. I love that that's called (laughs) non-class. The fact that they called it class is so bad. I mean, (laughs) look, Chris, I know we are not all tied into leftist ideology. They couldn't go with classless. Um, (laughs) There's too many classes. There are just the two. (laughs) Yeah, Bernie and Biden. There you go. Exactly. Like I said, the working and the owning. Tune into the debate in two days for us and uh, probably like three weeks it's for tomorrow. you. It's tonight. Oh, it's tonight. It's tonight. Oh. But, no, it just Both by, of by you. the time this I comes lo- out. I love that I jumped in to incorrectly po- correct you. This is great. Uh, <laughs> I have it wrong recording. Look, by the time this comes out, like, there probably already will be a nominee by like a mile. By the time it comes out, at <laughs> least one old man will be dead. Hell yeah. Okay, but uh, like, that's, there are a lot of old men in this world. Of course, I mean, there's an old man dying right now. Oh, I mean the president. Oh, cool. And his name is Jair. But hey, look, he, he, he does not have the virus right now. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm sure. Sure. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, the your class uh, affects the special abilities the characters get. 
characters take reduced damage from their own class element and uh, take more from the opposite one. Enemies also have classes, so you want to use the, uh, you know, take that in consideration when you're using elemental skills. Yeah, it just worth really clearly highlighting that they're opposed pairs rather than like a traditional Final Fantasy wheel. Mm-hmm. So the Judgment Ring pops up basically every time you do anything in combat. So attacking, items, spells, they all use the ring. It is a disc with a hand that rotates clockwise around it one time per action. Colored segments will appear around the ring, and you want to press the button while the hand is inside them to execute the action you are taking. Missing a segment will preemptively end the input window, uh, cutting your action short, and take a turn order penalty. The ring winds up functioning like a rhythm game mechanic, uh, or like a more complex version of the action inputs in Mario RPG. Yeah, it, it's funny too because like the um, the hand has like momentum to it, like it kind of has uh, gravity where it swings down faster and then slows up as it goes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So and you can like there are ways to change the um, the momentum of that, which is interesting, but also kind of fucks with your timing. Yeah. So every uh thing you do uses the ring a little a little differently. So what like uh when you're doing attacks, right? Uh you have like four kinds of basic attacks we'll talk about in a bit, but when you do those, the uh judgment ring will get a number of yellow segments uh hit sections, each with a an adjacent uh red strike segment with gaps between a strike and the next hit. Landing the hit segment will perform a normal attack and landing a strike will do a crit. And the number of opportunities varies from character to character. If a character has a three-hit combo, the ring gives you the chance to get from zero to three hits or even three crits. A uh, good strategy early on is to aim for hits until the end of your attack and then go for a strike at the end so you aren't as heavily punished if you miss. Yeah, and there are ways that you can uh, modify your uh, your ring that uh, yeah. changes these things. Like you can add attacks, remove attacks, change the widths of things. We'll probably talk about that more. With, uh, I did later, not put that but... in there, but I do have the types of rings later and we can talk about that then. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's very customizable. Like, it's a little too customizable because it gets a little, like, some of these settings are a little crazy. Well, I found it very helpful because I found the um, mm-hmm. the first character's first attack hard to hit because it's, like, right it's the very fast. you start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I definitely uh-huh. uh, bloated that with, like, five uh, strike uh, hit pluses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're casting spells, you also use the Judgment Ring. Um, when you cast a spell, it's there. the first section is a green section. It's called uh, a step area, and you have to hit this for it to work, so it's kind of like an activation. Yeah. And then there is a gradient from white to blue called it's the... It's like your Naruto mod- hand signs that you're doing before you do your thing. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you're just, you know, prepping the materials. Um, and, and then the, there's a gradient section, and... The further into the gradient you go, the more powerful the spell is, like the healing or the, or the damage. You're constantly trying to judge your ability to hit the timing versus how much damage and or healing or whatever you really want to do, which is a very interesting thing. Because like sometimes you can get too greedy and miss it completely, which you know, obviously is a waste of MP and everyone all that. Yeah, and turn it, it's it's very uh instead of rhythm game, it's very golf swing like in that way. Yeah, where it's, yeah. you're you're trying to get as close to that line as you can without going over the line and really just ruining your own day. 
Well, yeah. the interesting thing about it is, like, the entire game is built around the risk-reward of the Judgment Ring. Oh, like, it's you crazy. Can use, like, you can use magic outside of battle, right? But it's way weaker than in battle because you don't have to do the ring for it. Right. Yeah. But also, like, there's a, a discount mechanic when it comes to the shops. And whether or not you actually get the discount, you have to use the Judgment Ring to do it. <laughs> And it's like 30% off. Oh, by the way, I did not put it in these notes, but you guys should uh, be saving your money. You will want 100000 by the end of disc one mm. for an incredibly OP crest. Mm. Good news. Okay. I have a maxed out bar. <laughs> uh, just, just letting Matt know. Don't spend it all okay. willy nilly like a JRPG because you got it. What well, you- like the I only have like 2000 right now, but I'm also still pretty early. Yeah. What do you think the Judgment Ring manifests itself in like the actual universe of this world like what what do people see when you're like trying to haggle for better prices is there just this like weird little floating no ring idea. that pops up well you see the judgment ring of the tower right yeah yeah you talk to it that's it true. talks yeah. to you they literally see the ring that's why sanity points are a mechanic they're all buck fucking nuts <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah no it's very weird that the judgment ring is a character we hadn't mentioned that yet because that's more of a story thing but yeah the ring talks to you <laughs> this is my son judgment ring <laughs> uh yeah uh and the, the ring can be affected by status effects um such as either having a fake ring or reversing the ring uh making you do inputs yeah basically making the inputs hard to do and that shit is wear- fucked buddy <laughs> dude like <laughs> Uh, it's it's very funny, but it's also infuriating. <laughs> uh, they wear off after a few turns, and they do not persist between battles. Imagine uh, if all- they did, and you had fake ring in a shop. Oh my god! God, jeez, <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, also, uh, when your characters get knocked out, I don't know if we mentioned this. Uh, they do uh, revive to one HP after the battle, uh, which is good to know if um, you're like me and don't want to like burst or like just go through all your talisman of lux because you think that's the only way to uh resurrect people oh <laughs> those geez. only work in battle yeah yeah so I, I i have one left in my current run or and it's like really dire yeah you should bring up general stuff like that because the only thing i put in the notes is the really crunchy shit yeah 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 like you have uh like re- like restorative items you have like your your healing leaf uh you have like a mana leaf that brings you have back so many stuff. kinds of leaves dude it's like so a many fucking garbage bag in the fall <laughs> dude <laughs> it's a fucking tea shop over here and like yeah there's one like the talisman of luck is the one that revives your character but it only works in battle because you do get one hp your characters revive at one hp after the after the battle's over it's it's a very strange like the, like so far it's been a very low numbers RPG mm-hmm. that I've seen like you know each hit like a hit of like twenty five is like a ton. It does not bloat up as much as a Final Fantasy, but it does start getting higher. It does yeah yeah. So some general rules about the uh, ring that are just loose stuff. More hit areas it generally means more damage. One hit uh, on a smaller ring might do 100, but if you can pull off two, you're probably going to do a 70 plus 50. This also comes with the cost of missing out on more damage if you miss on multi-hit rings. Yeah, and And, the segments are smaller the more you have. Yeah. There are a finite number of items in the game, unless you are me, that let you choose a ring and expand a hit or strike area. So when you get these, think carefully about how to deploy them. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're not like permanent. You can uh, 
reallocate them if you want. Uh, unlike the stat boot, there are some stat boosting items you get, like a like it's a golden sun. Those are permanent. Yeah, yeah. So like you can say if there's a particular section you have trouble with because of the where it is in the swing, like you can widen that particular area. Like you could also widen the the crit area, which is super useful because some of them they get very very slim and you know being able to hit that even if it's by accident uh makes a huge difference the weird thing so like increasing a hit area increases the overall size of hit and strike like the cumulative size but increasing strike just makes strike eat into hit yeah so if you wind up with a lot of attacks and enough strike ups you could basically turn an entire small section into a strike section which is great mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah, the mm. game has a whole bunch of like little tweaks like that where it feels like if you are uh, smart enough, you could break it wide open. But uh, there is so much to absorb and the game is so punishing before you know its mechanics that it, it doesn't really feel breakable at first. The 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 hit and strike customization is, is into that. Speaking of the aforementioned ring customization... The Judgment Ring itself can and should be customized. Uh, you can select from four different ring types, uh, which are Normal, Practice, Technical, and Gambler. Uh, they allow you to customize the combat to your skill level. Uh, everyone starts out the game uh, with the Normal Ring. It's got decent hit and strike areas. If you miss an attack, your turn ends. If you miss a later hit area, you'll still get the original attacks for the ones that you previously landed. Practice has wide hit areas, but no critical strike areas. Uh, you can continue to attack if you miss with the practice ring. Uh, the official lightning strikes thrice endorsement is to start with the practice ring. Uh, technical has smaller hit and strike areas. Uh, attacks made with this ring do much greater damage, but missing any hit counts as missing all of them and ends your turn with no attacks until you... Yeah, it's like... Go ahead. Plus 20%. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot, but also the timing, like, if... Un- until you master the timing of the Judgment Ring, it uh, can be immensely frustrating and probably is not worth it until you have the game more internalized. The Gambler Ring has a single hit and strike area. It is uh, an all or nothing. If you hit the uh, land the hit or strike area, it has the same effect as triggering all of those areas on a normal ring. So hitting one strike area, hitting the strike area on this ring hits um, is the equivalent of hitting however many strikes they would have on their normal ring. Uh, if you miss, you miss all of them. <laughs> I'm playing Gambler and I regret nothing. <laughs> uh, and uh, Auto Ring does the ring automatically, but you only ever get one hit. It is extremely bad. <laughs> uh-huh. And so, like, ring customization is wild. So, like, in the first dungeon, uh, what I wound up doing is turning on Gambler, giving uh, for Nicholas, giving him all of the hit pluses. So he had five hits. And then I just blew up the strike area, so half of that was a uh, strike, and then spammed that magic attack that he has, uh, and it did like fifty a hit. I nice. and that's how that's how we got through it without uh using any items or having uh Karen lose all of her sanity points. Funny. I don't think her name is Karen. Uh, I believe it is K A R A N. Yeah, that reads like it should be Karen. Karen is what the lady well, in accounting is called. She's she's German. Right. So who knows? Um, anyway, um, ambush states, uh, like a lot of other turn based RPGs, you can uh, have a surprise attack and you can be ambushed. 
when you have a normal battle, uh, these are all random battles. You don't see them on the screen. You just get a cracked screen and go to a different battle um, field. Uh, the normal one, you have uh, enemies lined up together. Uh, the positioning is actually important in the way this works, and though I don't think you can do anything to modify your position on the field, as far as I'm um, aware. Combos make your characters move, and they okay. stay close to yeah, each other. that's true. Yeah, we'll talk about combos. That's a that's a big <clears throat> mechanic. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, Pretzel or uh, But yeah, so... <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, Pizza. It's pizza. Come on, dude. Yeah, it's pizza. I have never eaten a combo in my life, and I never will. Uh, same. So you would well, describe yourself as a combo breaker? Oh, yes. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just the last Idion where we were joking about there are now more vegetarians than not on this podcast. <laughs> uh, that's generally true. Real quick, Ryan, how do you feel about Wild Wild West? Uh, <laughs> love spider bots. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Suck it, man. Spider bots are fine. It's just the rest of it. Anyway. I don't know, man. My man is not an Desperado. <laughs> there Jesus are multiple Christ. scenes in that film about tits, the faking thereof, and how well you can read lips with them. Yeah. Oof. 1990s, uh, man. It's another Your era. Mm hmm. Uh, so if you get ambushed, uh, this is really bad. Uh, you are surrounded by the enemies and you're all clustered in the middle, which means area of effects spells fucks up your entire party. God help you if they have enemies, dude. Dude, it's it's ridiculous how powerful, especially like if you have like four enemies and like they all have one. And so like you just get fucking wrecked. Um and the rumors of that, uh, you surround the enemies, uh, you have the same kind of, uh, you know, chance to uh, do area effect attacks and attack most of them at once. The thing is, I don't think there's any way to control any of these. As far as no. I know, it's just a random RNG thing. No, but it is like SMT yeah. levels of game ruining or saving. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to mention SMT because, yeah, there's a certain like if you get ambushed at a bad spot, like this is a game that has save points. You mm -hmm. know, this is back in that time. So, like, if you've been running around the dungeon for a while and you get ambushed and just get absolutely wrecked, uh, sorry, you're reloading. But you can say fuck it and load from anywhere. <laughs> yeah, but you can only load from can't you only load from uh, from where you saved? Right. Well, yes, I'm just saying, like, when you get fucking hosed and come out of it totally wrecked, you can just say fuck it and load it without having to reset the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can totally do that. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a huge uh, variable when it comes to these fights. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your basic attacks. There's, uh, this is a little bit Valkyrie profile-y, a little bit Lightning Returns-y. I think we mentioned yep. some of that. You've got your standard one, knocks the enemy back a little, easy inputs, does less damage, obviously. High angle, it's a launcher. How long they're going to stay in the air depends on weight. Great to start combos with because it'll knock their defense down for every other hit. Knockdown, the opposite. Knocks them to the ground, moves them back in the turn order. This is great if you need to interrupt someone who might, say, take someone out who you want to heal. Uh, has some incompatibilities with different high angle combos. Great against heavy bosses. Worth noting also, since I forgot to mention it, since it um, combos are based on proximity, so it also can uh, split enemies apart so they can't do combos to you. 
Yeah. And there is a timing-based element to these, so do keep that in mind. Uh, this is where weight will fuck you if you get a bunch of light enemies and then someone heavy shows up and you're used to air juggles based on that. And it's like, oh, damn it. And finally, there is the hard hit, which is basically just a knockback blow. Again, weight is going to affect how far they fly. If you knock someone into a wall, they will actually bounce into the air as if they were hit with a high angle attack. So you can use this with a bit of positioning and planning to really get crazy with how to hit certain weight types into the air, knockdown, etc. within a combo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing to note, too, is uh, if an enemy dies at, during a combo or like, you know, if you have like three hits in your attack and it dies on the second hit, you just eat the third one. It doesn't like transfer over to the next enemy. Well, within a character, yes. But if yeah. a character A kills a guy character in in the two person combo. combo, character yeah. B gets to choose a new target. Right, right, yeah. But I'm saying, like, you you will lose attacks to defeating monsters. So, like, if you have a, like, I don't know, like, Geppetto has one attack, and you have an enemy that's, like, one hit from death, you don't want to... Isn't his name Geppetto? I have... Look, I I just got back to the chapel, so a guy named Geppetto is news to me. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay, Chris. Chris, there is this character, his name is Geppetto, he fights with a marionette doll. I wonder what that's about. Uh-huh. very soon mm-hmm. uh yeah like he he only ha- he only starts like stock with like one attack so like you could use him to like mop up like a small like if there's one hit left on a creature but you don't want to use yuri with like three attacks on him because uh, on that creature because it's just a waste yeah it's so like normally in a jrpg right you want to rush down guys as fast as possible to reduce incoming damage but here you want to like most evenly distribute your damage to wipe everything out at the same time uh, because uh, whiffing like a few attacks on a turn matters a lot more due to um, sanity and the end of combat bonus stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting dynamic. the The game the the battles are full of interesting dynamics and interesting decisions, but there are just so many of them at play, and the game it's doesn't a lot. explain them to you very well and so it's it you mentioned um you mentioned valkyrie profile it really does have a very tri ace feel of like i remember when uh people were were talking about how much they loved resonance of fate but it's like all right listen you're gonna be over your head for a long ass time just for 20 hours just read these four extremely detailed tutorials internalize these really byzantine systems and then all of a sudden it feels like one of the most tactically satisfying games in the world and it's like well yeah but also like you also could just struggle and get frustrated and probably make your make your way through the story and be fucked and not have fun the whole time but you know it's it's possible to do that too it's just it's all very overwhelming especially if you don't have a baseline of having played shadow hearts one first yeah yeah i gotta say like residents of fate like if you don't know what it's trying to make you do you're not going to like like the the damage output like is exponential right when it comes to like doing the right thing versus like missing an input or like not having just enough uh like whatever the cross charges are the triangle charges yeah uh like God, what a weird game. <laughs> Super weird. We're going to get there one day. Yeah, I, I, I liked playing like the 20 hours of it that I played. I just haven't gone back to it. 
Nolan North voicing like horny anime Trigun protagonist was really weird for me when I was playing Residents of Fate. Um, just you know, hearing uh-huh. hearing hearing Nathan Drake be Vash the Stampede uh, was absolutely bizarre. <laughs> uh, all we you, have is grapes. Uh, I bet you that treatment of Leanne uh, aged very poorly. Oh, uh, it, it, it wasn't. It, it started poor. Yeah, let's uh-huh. be real. Hi, Lightning Strikes Thrice is part of the Pitch Drop Podcast Network. If you would like to support what we do, uh, please go to patreon.com forward slash pitch drop or tentacle.pro and kick us a few bucks. You can join our Discord channel as well as get bonus uh, episodes from being Jim Davis, Bokuto Stop, and of course, this series as well. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated, so thank you to our patrons and anybody who's left a review, and thank you all for listening. Actually, uh, combos. Spe- <laughs> Speaking of Resonance of Fate, uh, this game does have uh, combo attacks uh, that can be performed with multiple characters. So um, combos are a way of doing a massive amount of damage to a single enemy. Uh, you choose combo from the action list with one character and then choose another character for them to, to combo with. It's also kind of uh, Chrono Trigger-like in that way. Uh, your entire party can be involved in a combo. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you. Um, the way that was my wife, not me. <laughs> the the way a combo works. <laughs> Bless your wife. Um, the the way a combo works is uh, that you uh, stack your dudes up. Uh, then, when the character everyone is comboing on has their turn come up, the combo starts. Um, so it's like you're you're all kind of like preloading the attacks and then I'll wail on the guy when when their turn comes up. Um, the first character can take any action. The combo then moves on to the next character. When every character but the last one has gone, you will see a button spinning and have a short window to press it. And if you fail, the combo is over. Once again, I fail every combo that involves an X because I'm playing on a 360 controller. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for some reason, I can remember all of them, but I'm like, oh, X, that's a thing on my controller, and I know where it is. <laughs> Hoisted. That's why you just have to uh, get used to calling it cross, and then your brain no. will uh, will make the distinction automatically. You're, that's that's how brains you're work. Ne- you're never coming back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the number of hits the first character does affects the amount of bonus damage by the following character, with uh, more hits being better. This makes multi-hit spells extremely powerful combo openers. I would have written the name of one in particular, but it was extremely German. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely want your heavy hitters to go last. So like ideally you would have um, 
really big multi-hit opener spell um guys with more attacks in their ring um in the middle and then like a super big fusion at the end uh just just a curious question here like does the multi-hit matter is it multi-hit like it hits multiple times or what happens if it's like an area of effect that hits multiple enemies once does that count as one or does that count as multiple i think that counts as multiples yeah it's multiple hits okay yeah yeah, so it's like if it's a one like one attack area of effect that just hits multiple enemies, you still get a multi-combo. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. number of hits, not number of attacks. Okay. And uh, it is worth noting that combos are extremely draining on your sanity points. Um, because basically characters have to stack up and wait turns, and the the combo does not start until the character everyone is stacked up on goes. And you can get hit in between... What winds up happening is that, like, uh, depending on if like, you're doing a four-person combo, like, nine effective turns could pass for the second character in the row. And uh, they'll just lose nine sanity points, one for each turn, plus whatever they get hit with if they're doing um, resist. So uh, you really easily go berserk if you do not check on your sanity points before starting a combo. It is worth noting that because of how combos are built and executed... The last person in the chain loses very few sanity points, so rotating your finishing character is a good way to stretch them out while still doing a lot of combos. Mm -hmm. And combos are also affected by affinity. If uh, characters combo together or heal each other, they raise their affinity, and as affinity goes up, characters may start battles in range to combo without needing to move them, which reduces the number of sanity points it costs them to do a combo. And the time to press the button on the judgment ring um, is extended for the finisher. You definitely want to make a point to do uh, small combos against easy enemies early on to farm up that uh, affinity. And you can screw up and drop a combo by moving people too far so the next hit doesn't connect, missing an attack, missing the finisher button, or just straight up screwing up the timing, which should be obvious it's there's no cheap ways to lose a combo everything tracks uh, if you think enemies about can it. do knockdowns on you and then push your dudes apart i won't think that's cheap though that's just the same system that you're working on i just that's mean true. that in the middle of a combo very little is going to just be a, oh what the hell well yeah but i mean mm-hmm. the cumulative effect of having so many different potential points of failure in the battle system will lead to kind of an ambient ah what the hell so you're right that the that that the combo system itself doesn't have that but i definitely have said that a few times while bosses are happening well that's what's interesting about the combat right is that there are a million points decision points and notably each of those decision points can be hugely beneficial or detrimental so it does kind of average out to you getting a regular result but if you are capable of keeping track of everything, you just absolutely wipe the floor. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm using Gambler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, four-person combos can be finished with uh, unique finishers called Combo Magic, which is a very high damage attack. Uh, what magic is available varies on uh, based on who is in the combo, uh, what order they acted in, and uh, you will get more uh, finishers. You will get more combo magics as the game progresses. I haven't uh, in this playthrough seen too many of them yet. Uh, I am excited to see more. I've forgotten them. <laughs> 
I have not seen any of them yet. I'm about an hour into the game, and it should only be 30 minutes, but I spent a long time fighting a gargoyle. <laughs> so ranged attacks are uh, a big deal. Everything outside of a basic attack is considered a ranged attack, both your special abilities and uh, spells. And uh, they have, like, four different kinds of area of effect, and then these are all subdivided into size classes. So uh, you got circular AoEs, which are uh, what it says on the tin, right? Very good for when you surprise enemies or you do knockbacks to position enemies. Uh, linear, which is like piercing laser beam styles, which is good for when dudes are stacked up in uh, ranks, like at the start of a fight. Uh, piercing shots are like a combination of linear with a circular at the end, and uh, all just hits all the guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the AoEs are subdivided into sizes from small to large, so there's a ton of variation uh, in spells just beyond what element it is and how much damage it does. Uh, and, you know, just like with other attacks, you wind up being more concerned with the overall damage output rather than just how fast you can take down a single enemy when using these. If you if you want to see a better version of this system, Trails of Cold Steel exists. Mm-hmm. That's cool. All I know about them is they're like a thousand hours long. All I know uh, about them is that I... they are part of the Dragon Slayer series at some point, so I'm never going to be able to get to play them. Yeah, Legend of Heroes. Uh, yeah, they're they're fantastic, but yeah, the whole ranged attacks being in patterns and sizes is very much just look at five minutes of cold steel combat and that'll instantly sum that up better let's talk about magic i love that you could tell chris wrote these notes because magic is equipable in this shadow hearts covenant (laughs) you get crests which can be equipped to various characters uh obviously a few people cannot each character has a stat called dominance capacity points that increases as they level and Spells all have a DCP cost. So this is going to govern how much you can really specialize or overdevelop one person as your mage. Classes will also affect this. So if you put a fire and water crest on someone, that's going to cost more than if you just put two fire crests. Therefore, probably good to pick an element that is in line with the things people already do, or if they don't have one, Give them some sort of specialization that just shores up a weakness in your composition. Equipping more of the same crest decreases the overall cost of the spell. So um, two uh, of the same crest will cut the spell and the cut the cost of the spell in half, uh, then a third, then a quarter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You can use healing spells outside of battle, but like uh, we mentioned previously, they are much less powerful outside of battle because you do not have to do the judgment ring outside of combat. This turns the amount healed versus MP spent into a risk-reward consideration. So you might uh, get into situations where you only want to try to heal when you're actually in battle so you're not wasting your MP. Well, say you're getting more heal per point spent, but... Potentially, or you get zero. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, worth noting, buffs and debuffs are like SMT levels of good, so you should definitely yes. be using them. Honestly, a big thing we could say about a lot of this game's mechanics are it's X, but janky. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can also, um, there are ways to modify your attacks so that they cause... Um, Uh, debuffs and such like i have one right now that's poison and another one that causes a 30 percent uh defense decrease 
Yeah, like you start with a evasion down on Karen. Yeah. So like there are ways in which you can um you know This game is voice acted. I could just know how to say that. <laughs> it is voice acted. Uh yeah, so you, there, there's a lot of um oh god, what's the terms I'm looking for? Synthesis of uh things that you could you can be like integrating multiple things together here. Synergy. Synergies, that's the word I was looking for. Synergy. It's like you're not in marketing. <laughs> I'm taking a marketing class right now, actually. <laughs> how do you not know the word synergy when you're taking a marketing class? Because it's mostly I'm trying to learn how R works. <sighs> oh, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Have fun. I'm new to this. Uh, uh. Special, there are also special abilities which are unique to characters. Uh, a lot of them consume MP. You don't usually just get them from leveling up, though. You get them from uh, sub and side quests, and uh, these also have classes and can be integrated into combos. Uh, should we talk about Yuri's uh, the graveyard thing, or should we wait till like that shows up in the story? Because I don't think you're there to should, see it, Chris. We should wait. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I got uh, halfway through the cutscene, and then it cut to him at a fire with a dog, and I said, fuck it, I gotta record soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a very I mean, long cutscene. I mean, the the short version of this is that Yuri upgrades his uh, fusion skills in this area called the Graveyard Zone that is plot important. Yeah, I definitely cut that out of one of the uh, Wikipedia sections. I was like, what the fuck is the metaphysical graveyard? (laughs) Oh, you'll you'll see, Chris. (laughs) It's a graveyard with not a lot of skeletons, which is uh, frustrating. Boo. Items. We have items. Items use the ring, but they're much easier than, like, skeletons spells or attacks um and a lot of the time the ring is just a single continuous hit area and like uh magic items are more powerful in battle than they are outside of battle really sucks when you fucking fail to use a potion like i just oh shit i dropped it while trying to take out the cork or whatever (laughs) or like you you like try to put it in your mouth but you like you aim too low and it just spills on your chin very relatable Uh like an old country buffet patron (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's so funny to think about uh like the whole jrpg like leveling up progression mechanic of like i'm becoming more powerful and more capable as the story goes on but occasionally i still have butterfingers and even though i could like maybe (laughs) kill eldritch gods sometimes i just toss the uh, potion bottle out of my hand that's relatable. Like, my title would technically be, like, a senior developer if I was at Microsoft, but I also spent three hour, three days trying to track down an issue that turned out to be I forgot to put parentheses for basic math op- order of operations. <laughs> Oops. I'm same, not, same energy. Yeah. I'm not saying anything here. <laughs> no. The judgment ring of life. <laughs> it rules us all. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and then there's blocking. There's two types. You defend, you can probably guess what that is, and resist, which chews up a sanity point but fully prevents you from taking damage or being shoved around. Real handy if you just need a combo to go off. Mm-hmm. Yet another way combos just suck the ever-loving fuck out of your sanity points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no yeah. kidding. And, like, the amount of sanity you lose scales with the um, the type of attack the boss is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like if they do a combo like the gargoyle and I was just fucking around with this so I tried doing a resist and the gargoyle does a four hit combo it drains uh, sanity points per hit yep <laughs> so uh, Karen immediately insane first turn mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry yeah you that mean sounds berserk. right oh yeah uh, dude berserk is so good 
because uh, you either attack your own dudes for like I could have sworn I put this somewhere in here, but we didn't come across. You it. did you attack. Okay, did we do it? Was I just yes. not paying attention? Yeah, very did. early. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I was not paying attention. Uh, but I love that uh, it chooses when you go unconscious. It's not for the rest of the fight. It chooses an effect every turn. So just. Karen's like, I need a nap right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, like the the dog uh, pees on you. Hell yeah. Yeah, like lifts his leg and pees on you, and you lose sanity points. <laughs> that's look. That's how you keep all the rats away. <laughs> yeah. It's just worth noting that this game has like a um, Final Fantasy X style turn order up top, as well as showing you how it will change based on what moves you do. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. It that that helps keep all of the the really Byzantine interlocking systems in front of you. Um, it's Build, building a combo would be impossible. Oh, it. absolutely. Yeah. It would be, it would, it would turn into a game where I would have to have this just like notebook and conversion chart in front of me. And I generally only am into that for games like wizardry. So I would, I would say fuck you to this game a hundred percent without that turn order. Did we forget anything anyone wants to talk about? No, I think that's a pretty good mechanics overview, barring some plot stuff that's not going to come up until then. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk more about fusions when we get them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fusions are I are weird. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how they work. Body horror. They work through body horror. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like the first one you get is like uh, like a fish dude. It's like an Innsmouth creature. Yeah, it's basically what if Breath of Fire were from hell? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Breath of Hellfire. Like a, like a Breath oh, of good. Fire. So wrapping it up, uh, how far have we all played? How are we feeling about it? I'm on my second run of this in two months because I have to do the notes. <laughs> yeah, f- so you love it. Uh, ev- every season, there's a whipping boy who has to play the game twice, and it's either me or Fletcher, not Matt, because Matt has to edit this podcast. Woo-hoo. I got it on 15, uh, which wasn't bad. Mm. Fletcher got it this time. Mm. <laughs> Very, yeah, very I'm different. also on deck for the next one we have in line. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I hope you like cutscenes. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, like, two hours in. I'm currently, like, in the... Uh, I'm in Paris in the tunnels, like, the subway tunnels. Uh, and I I think, like, the actual physical act of using the judgment ring is great. But so far, like some of the areas like that, that area in particular is very disorienting. I should probably just look up a map and th- it just seems... I told you lots of maps on game facts for this game. Oh, yeah. One for every area. Yeah, I should probably use them because uh, this this is definitely the game where the um, like the battles can be costly if you're not being super optimal. Yeah, safe points and... do not heal you at all, by the way, like magic management. Big deal like SMT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A- you have tents, which work the same way as in Final Fantasy. It just heals everything, but only works at um, at save points. And the save points I, I found pretty sparse. So, like, so far, like, I'm running through this dungeon, and I'm getting, uh, like, two battles a screen, so it's a bit sloggy. But, like, the actual act of, like, using the ring feels pretty good. Yeah, I, um, I agree with a lot of that. It's weird. I... You know, in doing the book reports, I ended up playing Kadelka and Shadow Hearts when I wasn't expecting to. I was I was expecting to just kind of go through Let's Plays and and retrospectives and stuff um, and ended up playing them again. And I've played both of those before. But what that's done is um, 
some of the uniqueness and charm of Shadow Hearts Covenant is uh, isn't as fresh for me because I'm I'm just fresh off of Shadow Hearts One, and it has made me kind of not want to go through Covenant without a couple of months of buffer. Um, so I'm also in the Paris tunnels right now. Um, and you know, it's a JRPG from an era where JRPGs had a lot of, uh, pace killing issues and there's a lot of like overwhelming systems and I'm having fun, but there's like a, but for every point of fun for me right now. Yeah. PS2 JRPGs definitely all were cool, but bad. Yes. Yes. Yeah, um, and, and bad in different ways from the PS1 ones when they, they got sloggy. Mm-hmm. When they were all boring and bad. Well, the PS1 was, it made sense. It was a Wild West, and you no longer had space concerns for the most part, especially if you were doing a 2D-focused game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The PS2 is, we're all into polygons now. We can do voice acting, but we don't have to, especially on localizations. What let's get weird with it. The problem is a lot of the people who had longtime design chops were not ready for the new challenges this brought. And so you have a lot of games like this that are very quick, but feel padded because of their encounter rate or combat or. And then let's not even go into the HD era, which Christ, that's a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah, uh, man. Like, and let let me tell you, this is a wild ride in terms of like tone and writing. Even just oh, like buddy. two hours in, <laughs> like, oh, buddy, you're in for it. <laughs> just so you know. And remember, this is the happy one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the happy one. Well, from the new world is goofball central. Uh, so while oh the- yeah, there's yeah, we hadn't talked about the 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 last one in the series. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is the happy one, but uh, from the new world is the silly one. Yeah, after this, they just go to America. Yeah, they they go to the Americas. They actually go to South America too, mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, <laughs> it's apparently wild. Apparently, the main character gets saved by a Native American woman. Who I was going to all... say, you better believe there's a very sensitive portrayal of the uh-huh. Native peoples. Uh-huh. Manifest destiny means something different in the context of a JRPG. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I think we have an episode title. <laughs> Uh-huh. We should start doing episode titles for these. Uh, uh, if only I could like retroactively go through all of them and put in episode titles. I probably should. Well, a new season means new rules, Matt. And listen to all of them. Uh, <laughs> I, trust me, I've listened to every episode of this show at least five times. That's too many. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm like 40 minutes in, mostly because I just spent like six hours uh, writing these notes. Uh, shout out to uh, Torrent... Tor- uh, piracy information piracy website the i.eu the only place on the internet where the brady games guide for this existed because there are no systems write-ups of this game literally anywhere and on the internet (laughs) you realize i double checked you using a game faq on one of your typos right (laughs) (laughs) no idea uh, (laughs) i could not find anything any effects with uh systems write-ups Okay. Like for the real crunchy bits. Yeah. So um if you want to get in touch uh with us, uh you can do that on Facebook at LightX Thrice or the contact form at lightningstrikesthrice.com. I thought we said earlier you're supposed to say light cross thrice. 
Look, I'm just trying to, you know, for our American audience, we're a primarily American podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm confused. Isn't that actually light square thrice? Ah, light select button thrice. Also, uh, <laughs> I've finally got around to spending three seconds fixing our TLS certificate so your browser will no longer tell you the website is unsafe. Nice. I mean, good, it's I wrong. I wanted but... to listen to these at work and it was actually giving IT shit fits. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it took an entire three seconds. I had to the big the big thing keeping me from doing it is that I'm really lazy and I had to open my phone for a two off app to get into our my web host. Look, look the the website may be safe, but the content is not. Yeah. So yeah, there definitely. you have it. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to share with the listeners? I've got no plugs uh, as as the guest. Uh, I'm I'm just a lowly guest. Uh, you can you can follow me if you want on Twitter at Weeplord. Mm-hmm. yeah same as always uh doing the the both boku no stops uh right now we're just about to get into the movies for idion uh soon and also jojo's we're getting close to the end of season one that is uh God. battle tendency i cannot wait to never think about idiot again God. oh don't worry <laughs> uh-huh. after you watch be invoked you will think of idiot again oh, oh no Man, I really hope Be Invoked is better than Contact, because Contact was kind of rough to sit through. Uh, go watch Death and Rebirth sometime. It's the same role. It's just well, I know. to remind you. Like, I, I got, like, um, Rebuild 1.11 flashbacks because of, like, oh, this is literally the show just condensed and cut down at a pace that is, like, inhuman. <laughs> Ryan, I'm sorry if you bought Idiot on my recommendation. It has a very cool opening, and then is awful for 30 episodes it's it's so i did not buy it i waited i feel like i'm one of the biggest tomino heads out there but you actually successfully scared me off of idion uh before i was able to dive into it and like hell yeah i'm the person who defends watching all of gundam 79 and zeta instead of the instead of the compilation movies because i think it's that important Okay, that's what I do, and I would still not recommend you watch all of it again. I would still say just read the origin manga instead of watching the first one. Reading is reactionary. Oh, yeah, I know. Well, well, look, look, we there are definitely copies of Idion that can be given to you for free if you want them. That's okay. Time is also money. Uh, That is keeping my Blu-rays, and I don't care who knows. (laughs) Don't say that's true, Matt. You just watched all of. Every Sailor Moon. That and was also, like a year you can't ago, tell Chris. Me that's true, Raya, because you fucking sucked me to this 500 hour <laughs> MMO. <laughs> Both of you are lying to us. Well, well, like, like, time is money, but I didn't say a lot of money. Yeah, t- time is money is a new concept to me. Uh, I'm, I'm trying this thing where, where I try to fight against my, my depression. Uh, but, you know, it, I, I did community instead of leading into it. Friend exactly. now. it, it I mean, or you could just lead into it like the rest of us. Welcome to the internet. Yeah, welcome to Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> oh no! How did you get my credit card number for this subscription? <laughs> what the fuck is an ice cream truck doing down my street in the middle of a quarantine? Uh, Mr. Mercedes, don't don't watch it. But that's that's practice. <laughs> that's practice. I, Fletcher, I people can't novel. go get their own ice cream safely. Well, look, look, look. The virus can't survive at that temperature. I'm sure it's safe. Oh my god! Fuck off. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I will just do quick plugs. I am the editor for the Riceball Network of Podcasts, as well as Boku No Stop on this, the Pitch Drop Network. I have a website at hellscaper.com and a Patreon that can be found there if you would like to donate via a tip jar to the horrible things I do to all of you. Thank you. 
you can listen to my other podcast on the network magmar sucks where we stack ranking pokemon based on how interesting they are the podcast comes out like once a month even though it's supposed to be weekly and is uh very a very questionable content listen at your own risk <laughs> yeah uh, it's easily <laughs> one of the most foul things on this network <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a high bar go. uh that's all until next time when we'll be talking about the game from the beginning to the Castor and Pollux V1 fight. Um, probably immediately after, including the scene after, is I think how we'll do these. Yeah, okay. I, I think we should go to the next save point after the bosses. Right. Perfect. All right. Catch you in two weeks. Beautiful. See you around. Peace. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the Pitch Drop Podcast Network. Like what you just heard? Support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash pitch drop. And while you're at it, check out pitchdrop.net for more of this and other shows.